Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Good stuff. So we are busy with our series, No Longer Slaves. If you missed out on any of the previous uh, teachings, then they're all on SoundCloud. We also post them uh, on our Facebook page every week, so you can go and uh, easily access them there. But uh, this morning, before we get into this morning's message, just the, the essence of, of the series is really to see what Christ has come to set us free from. And uh, I think all of us, in different regards, to different degrees, are still maybe struggling with some things, whether it's health challenges, whether it's uh, 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 emotional things that we're dealing with, like relational challenges. All of us are still uh, struggling with different things. Maybe it's with regards to uh, one of the topics that we've looked at in the, 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 the messages was uh, the freedom from legalism, from religion that God has come to set us free from. Um, I chatted with a guy, um, Jew, at the, at the wedding yesterday, and just the fact that um, side comment that he made was like, uh, oh yeah, I couldn't eat this because there was pork. And I was like, shame, man. Um, I didn't say that, but uh, I was thinking, shame. Um, because God is a God of relationship and what God came to do, and uh, we, we, had, we see this amazing account in Acts where Peter has this open vision and God uh, kind of portrays all of these, these, these pork-related things to him and the things that were, were, were forbidden to eat of under the law. And God proclaims to Peter, do not call unclean that which I have called clean. And then Peter's ministry to the Gentiles has started there. And the, 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 the essence of, of all of this is that God is a God of love and He's a God of relationship. And He hasn't called us to follow rules and regulations in order to have relationship with Him. That was never the purpose in the tent of the law. And when we come to know that and when we come to see and, and see the law in its rightful place, we actually see that, man, all that God desired from the beginning of time is for us to open up and deny self and receive everything that he's got for us and enjoy pork to our heart's content whoever you enjoy is pork here good stuff if you're not in if you don't eat pork if you're vegetarian um, then please come and chat to us we'll uh, we'll pray for you and uh, we'll, we'll minister the gospel to you now I'm just joking um, you the, the amazing thing even with choosing to be a vegetarian or choosing to be a vegan or a pescatarian or a whatever terian um, Man, there's, there, God's grace for you and the relationship that He has for you, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about what you do, what you don't do. It's about you trusting in God and what He's done for us. And so, um, I don't know why I shared that freedom, talking about freedom. And um, it's really amazing to just kind of see all of these, these, these things that God has come to set us free from. And this morning specifically, we're going to look at um, freedom, freedom from poverty. Freedom from poverty. But before we get there, just a quick recap from last week. We looked at freedom from sickness. And John 14 verse 9 says this. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I, who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who's looked at me has seen the Father. Basically, the whole essence of what we focused on last week is if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Meaning that the life and the ministry of Jesus 100% represented the heart and the nature of God. And in no case ever did Jesus put sickness on anyone or withhold healing from anyone. So if that is not what Jesus did, then that is not the nature or the character of God. 
And so all in all, God's will is always healing. It's always health. We see this through Jesus' ministry. He always ministered health wherever there was a need, wherever there was someone coming to receive, healing was manifested. And that's something we need to establish in our hearts because the devil and religion has put a lot of barriers between us receiving from God, thinking that I need to perform or because I've sinned, I cannot receive healing. Paul describes this in Galatians 20, 21, and he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God because if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. Christ died for no reason. Meaning that if you think that your right standing and your, your, your right even to receive from God is based on what you do, what are you saying? Christ did not die, or he did not need to die, or it was pointless that he died. That is what Paul is saying, and I think all of us can kind of testify that I don't want to be a person who says that, thank you Jesus, but no thank you. Right? No, I believe no one here is proud enough to say that, like, thank you Jesus, but I've got this. I'll do it on my own. That is basically what you're saying when you're trying to perform and do something to get from God, to receive from God. So that was last week's message. Not completely, but uh, there was some... Uh, some extra bonus clips there. So you can get the teaching online and uh, receive there. So this morning we're looking at freedom from poverty. And a few questions to consider before we get into the messages. Firstly, what is poverty? What is poverty? We need to define what poverty is. And in its simplest form, it's a lack of something. Lack of something. We need to understand there's natural, there's a natural world and a spiritual world. Right? I think all of us have experienced that. Maybe there's a natural world and then we see the spiritual world. Now the spiritual, this is what a lot of believers don't understand, the spiritual world drives the natural and it sustains the natural. So that means that we need to draw and understand the spirit firstly to understand the natural. We need to draw from the spiritual world and understand that we are spirit as God is spirit before we are natural. God is spirit and from the spirit he spoke the natural into existence. We see this in John chapter 1. Let's go to John. So we're going to look at dealing with spiritual poverty first and foremost, and then we're going to look at natural poverty because there's a spiritual poverty that we need to deal with so that we can deal with the natural poverty. John 1, 1-5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this is also an, uh, an amazing picture and an emphasis that from the beginning of time, Jesus was with God as well. Because a lot of people think that Jesus only came onto the scene when he was born of Mary. Now Jesus was from the beginning of time. Because in the beginning was the word and Jesus said, and it said of Jesus that he was the word made manifest in the flesh. Okay, that was just a side note for free. Verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. This is beautiful, and uh, there's so much like that John is writing about. And the, the, the Gospel of John is very different to the other Gospels. Um, John wrote about a lot of spiritual things, a lot of um, symbolisms of uh, manifestations, types and shadows. He, he spoke in a lot of picture language, and yeah, it's beautiful. It says... In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. What happens in Genesis? 
There's darkness and God speaks light. And then darkness leaves. And this is God's desire. He is light. And we are called sons of light. And in Matthew 5, we see this amazing picture as well, talking about we are the light of the world. Why? Because the light of the world is living on the inside of us. From the beginning of time in Genesis, God's desire was for that spirit of light to dwell in man. But what did Adam and Eve decide to do? We'll do it our way. The anthem of self, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And that is why the world is living in the mess that it is in, because they're choosing to do it their way. They're not choosing the light of God to come and reside on the inside of them. Colossians 1.17 says, He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in Him. He existed, God existed, Spirit existed before anything else in the natural world existed. Now I'm laying this foundation for you to understand that before we can understand natural poverty, we need to understand spiritual poverty. We need to deal with spiritual matters before we can deal with natural matters. Religion says you need to do good. Religion says you need to go to church, you need to read your Bible. Legalism says you need to be a good person. If you do bad Feel bad about it, sulk about it a little bit, have a party, send invites out, name it pity party and let's get together and talk about our, our problems and magnify our sin for what purpose? We're not called to magnify sin, we're called to magnify Jesus. We're called to express thanksgiving to Jesus and what He's done for us and what did He do for you? He paid for your sin. He paid for your sins so that you can enjoy a relationship with God. So that you can enjoy right standing with God, regardless of what you do or what you don't do. And the more you come to realize and understand who you've become, because you were a sinner, but by God's grace you were saved. And you've received the Spirit. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that, Therefore anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. You are in Christ. If you receive Jesus, you are in Christ. New creation, a new being, the old is gone, the new has come. That is your identity. There was an old called the sinful nature. The old is gone. Say gone. Gone means gone. The old is gone, the new has come. Say new. You are right now a new creation, a new being. There was this old, uh, we, we grew up with this old kind of picture, a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, my church background was a lot of storytelling. And I wasn't in church that often, but whenever I was in church, there was a lot of storytelling and a lot of like my story, my experience, and very little Bible actually, very little Word of God actually. And you had Grace Life, you're not going to get any of that. You're going to get a lot of Word. And one of these stories that, and it sounds, just because it sounds scriptural doesn't mean it's scriptural. Take note. Just because it sounds scriptural doesn't mean it's scriptural. Just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just because it sounds cool doesn't mean it's the Word of God. Just because it's packaged nicely doesn't mean it's the Word of God. Because there's too much carnality within the church of God where people are looking for things that sound cool, look cool, and then we buy into that. We su subscribe to that. What does that leave the church in? A state of immaturity. 
Because you and me can only mature through the word. We're not going to mature through experience. We're not going to mature through someone else's relationship with God. We can only mature through the word, becoming students of the word, becoming disciples of Jesus. Meaning a student, a learner, a follower of the word. Freedom. Legalism. Oh yeah. So a lot of, a lot of legalism says you have to do all of these things. It's fruit focused. Fruit focused versus root focused. Now those two things do rhyme. And it is spiritual. <laughs> root and fruit. A lot of the church is focused on fruit. What am I going to do? I need to do this. I need to be a better person. I need to love my wife more. I need to love my neighbor more. Yes, that is in the Bible. But how do you do that? Why do you do that? How and why is found in who you've become? You've become His righteousness. You've received His Spirit. As He is, so are you in this world. You are no longer a sinner. You're no longer a failure. You are called His son, His child, adopted into His family. He'll never disregard you. He'll never reject you. You've been adopted. You're established in His family. And the more you come to know your identity in Christ, who He's created you to be, that you were created in love, for love, man, the more you are able to love people with this kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, funny enough, it didn't come up in the, the wedding ceremony yesterday, but 1 Corinthians 13 is usually a passage of Scripture that we had weddings. We're talking about the love, uh, how, to, how to love, and, and people often put the emphasis and the focus on, I need to love like this. I need to love my wife like 1 Corinthians 13. And yes, it is the truth. But what it is first and foremost communicating is God's love for you as His child, son or daughter. His love Recording for you. In progress. That it's never jealous. It's never boastful. It's not proud. It does not keep records of wrong. That is God's love for you. And the more you receive that and you become fully persuaded of that, the more you are able to share that with the people around you. Man, but if you're thinking God is keeping record of your wrongs, guess what you're going to do? Keeping record of wrongs. Your friends, your family, your spouse, you're going to keep record of their wrongs. But when we come to understand that's not the nature of God, that's not the way that God deals with us, we are going to be able to overflow with that same kind of love. If we seek the natural ahead of the spiritual, we'll still experience poverty the spiritual brings completeness and brings life to the natural the world is experiencing a natural poverty not because of a lack of resources imagine that the world is experiencing natural poverty not because there's a lack of resources there's a surplus of resources in this world in this earth so the poverty that the world is experiencing is not because of a lack of resources, but it's because of a lack of spiritual, or uh, it's because of spiritual poverty. Not knowing our true purpose, not knowing and, and being and living in discon uh, uh, being disconnected from God, our source. Romans 3.23 expresses this truth beautifully for us. I'll read from the Passion then, King James. It says, For we all have sinned, and are in need of the glory of God. The King James says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's not something mystical. I'm not going to teach on this this morning, but in essence, the glory of God is the Spirit of God. Jesus talked about this and expressed that 
unless he goes and unless he, he accomplishes what he was he called to accomplish through his, his death, his resurrection and the outpouring, he would not be glorified. He would not experience the glory of God. He would not be able to manifest the glory of God, which is the Spirit of God living in man. That is the glory of God that the world needs. The world is short of something. The world is short of something. What is that something? God's Spirit in man. Jesus came to deal with the problem of sin so that we can accept and receive the glory of God. Enjoy the glory of God. That is the only way to deal with sin. That is the only way to receive what Christ has done for us. And that is the only way that we deal with even the things that we might be struggling with. As realizing and coming to know who Christ made you to be. Knowing your true identity. Knowing your born again identity. Isaiah 4, 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So if you don't know this, you cannot enjoy this. You cannot receive this. But we need to understand, when we receive God's Spirit, we no longer lack a thing that is truly needed. And that is something that it's, it sounds nice, right? Like it sounds like, man, when I've received the Spirit of God, I don't truly lack anything that is essential in this life. But we're so carnal, and I'm saying we, because I'm also carnal in my own time, and I was carnal yesterday at the wedding even, like I enjoyed too much of the, the, the good food, and um, I was carnal even in like a, something that Catherine myself talked about and so I can also be carnal just because I'm standing up front here doesn't mean that I, I'm never carnal and so the challenge with with us as believers living in this world there's always going to be opportunity to be carnal but truly at our core when we receive the spirit of God we've received all that we need for this life yes we have physical needs and God wants to meet those needs, and we're going to look at that this morning. But we can't let our natural circumstances, and this is a, a, a big challenge for us as believers, we can't let our natural circumstances prevent us from living out truly and ultimately what God called us to and the purpose that He has for us and for this world, which is meant to be saved and meant to come to a knowledge of the truth, which is God's Spirit in us, and that He's a good Father. And we see this perfectly demonstrated in, in the life of Paul where he's sitting in a prison cell writing two-thirds of the New Testament rejoicing, praying and asking for prayer. And this is a blessing and this is challenging. He asks for prayer while sitting in prison. And guess what he doesn't, what does he not ask for in his prayer? Hey guys, pray that I will be released from this prison cell so that I, I don't have to live in discomfort anymore. No, that's not the prayer that he prays. That's not the request that he makes. He says, hey guys, pray for me while I am here that I have more opportunities to minister the gospel. Selah. Amen or oh me. And so the point is this, that man, the life that God has called us to and the, 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 the richness of His Spirit in us, the, 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 
the prosperity that we are enjoying with His Spirit in us is so much more than anything this natural world can give us. And we need to become fully persuaded that this is enough, God's Spirit in us, before we can focus on anything in the natural. So Isaiah verse four, four, chapter 4 verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. People are dying and living in natural poverty because they don't understand God's way of providing. People are dying in this world and will be living separated from God for all of eternity because they don't know Him. They're lacking His Spirit in them. So we need to, as, as God's sons and daughters, we need to understand that the gospel is a specific message. And that message is a message that we've been set free from a life of sin. We've been set free and set up to live in perfect righteousness with God our Heavenly Father. It doesn't matter how low you are. It doesn't matter how high you are with regards to good works or, or living holy. You are as close to God as you'll ever be. You're as close to God as the most sinful person in this world is that has received Christ as their salvation. Because remember this, I think all of us forget this often as we receive Christ and we've been walking in this relationship and we're growing in amazing truths and we're starting to bear some fruit. And praise God for that, fruit-bearing Christianity. Because that is what glorifies God, fruit-bearing. But not fruit-bearing by legalism and by performance and by comparing ourselves among ourselves, but fruit-bearing that, that is birthed from intimacy with God, your Heavenly Father. Fruit bearing that is born from a place of enjoying intimacy with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Iron sharpening iron. That is the fruit bearing that, that we see God talking about, Jesus talking about in John 15. But we need to understand in all of this, in all of this fruit bearing, we need to understand that even that fruit bearing has got a purpose. And it's to testify of God's goodness. So that when someone comes to say like, man, I saw you going through a difficult time and you responded in such a positive way. You responded with so much joy, so much peace. Why is that? Then your answer shouldn't be because I've, I've done some yoga this past week and I've, 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 I've just come from a good holiday as well and the weather's so nice and this is what my routine is like. I go to gym in the morning and then please let that not be your answer. Jesus, let Jesus be answer your relationship with God and what He's done for you. So we need to deal firstly with spiritual poverty, helping people understand that the gospel is a message of Jesus coming to reconcile the world to God. And we are now called ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5. You are, each one of you sitting here this morning, a minister of reconciliation. And that reconciliation is coming through the message of the gospel. It's not, it's unfortunate that there are many different kinds of ministries in this world. And to a degree, there's a time and place for different kinds of ministries. I'm not going to use any examples. But the Bible talks about one kind of ministry. And it's the ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry can only come through one thing. And it's the sharing of the gospel, which is one message. Jesus died for our sins and made a way for us to be right with God. His Spirit living in us. That is the gospel message. That is the ministry, that's the message that God called us to preach, to proclaim. To not deviate from that. Now we're looking at 
freedom from poverty. And like I said, we're laying first this foundation that ultimately the most important thing that you need to understand is spiritually you're lacking nothing. You are rich. You've received God's Spirit and you've received all spiritual blessing in that. And when we come to understand this, we can rightly divide the word of truth and we can kind of come put things in proper order and proper perspective. So that when we look at poverty and our, our God provides, we can look at it from a right point of view and not fall into deception. So let's look at some of the things that we've been set free from in the natural sense of poverty. First question, how does God provide? How does God provide? And we're going to look at some scripture. How does God provide? Because all of us, if I send a, a questionnaire around, all of us would have different answers, guaranteed. Without a doubt, all of us would have different answers. If we'd have to, in one sentence or two, answer how does God provide? And I'll share one, two, three things that He doesn't provide through. He doesn't provide through your prayer. He doesn't provide through your fasting. And He doesn't provide, praise God, through your tithe or offering. He doesn't provide through your prayer, fasting, tithe or offering. And we're going to cover some of those things. So do you not upset with me by not sharing Scripture with you and backing that up. Ecclesiastes 5, 8-9 from the message says this, Don't be upset when you see the poor kicked around. And justice and right violated all over the place. Exploitation filters down from one petty official to another. There's no end to it. And nothing can be done about it. But the good earth doesn't cheat anyone. Even a bad king is honestly served by a field. Man, that's powerful. There's so much in here. Imagine that. Even a bad king is honestly served by a field. What does this mean? It doesn't matter how good a person you are. It doesn't matter how bad a person you are. If you're going to sow a seed, I'm not talking about spiritual seed. If you take a seed that is a, um, fruit, like an apple seed, and you take that seed, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, and you plant that seed in the ground, and you put water on that seed, and you repeat that process, and you give it some, some fruitful kind of minerals and things like that, guess what's going to happen? Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, guess what's going to happen? Something's going to come out of it. So what is the point that I'm trying to make? What is the point that Ecclesiastes here is making? Whether you're a good person or a bad person, the earth and the principles that God has put in the earth because who created the principle and the life that is in the seed? God created that. And if you cooperate with God's laws, His natural laws, whether you believe or unbeliever, what's going to happen? Fruit. Okay, some of you aren't uh, getting what I'm saying. Matthew 5. Some of you are upset with me now because you thought God favors you above the unbeliever. And to a degree, you, you are experiencing things from God that the unbeliever can't experience. But we need to understand this very thing and understand it very clearly. Because otherwise we're going to fall into deception and miss out on some of the things that God has for us. God gave us the earth and its resources. But guess what? 
While believers are living on the earth, there's also unbelievers living on the earth. The very same earth that God created, that God put into order, natural laws that each person on the face of the earth, whether believer or unbeliever, gets to enjoy. Matthew 5, 45. In that way you will be acting as true children of God, your Father in heaven. For He gives. What does He give? He gives sunlight to both who? The evil and good. Imagine that. Wow, you thought that God only gave uh, sunlight to the good. He gives sunlight both to the evil and the good. He sends rain on who? The just and the unjust alike. So how have we come to a place as, as a Christian church to think that, man, God just provides for me because I'm His child. Yes, He has provided things for you, the earth for you, as He has done for the unbeliever. And whoever minds and goes into the earth, into the field, is going to get something from the field. God provided first and foremost, and this is the first one that we're looking at, God provided for us through giving us the earth. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a moment. So we need to understand that this, the, the earth has been created for us to enjoy. But we need to go into the field. If you don't go into the field, if you're sitting on your couch, quoting scripture, it's not going to do you very good. If you're sitting on your couch putting money in a bucket, giving money to the church thinking that in this way I'm buying my provision. Have you guys seen any mafia movies? I know some of you might not want to raise your hand. You're thinking oh, I'm going to condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you. Some of you have seen The Godfather, I know. And some of you are having a relationship with God from that standpoint. The Godfather, the Mafia King, Al Capone. Let, let, just stay with me quickly. Where you give money, thinking that money buys you what? Protection. None of you have done that. I know it's everyone who hasn't come, the guys online. Where you give money and you're giving, thinking that as long as I'm giving, as long as I'm putting money somewhere into the kingdom, my needs will be met and I'll be protected. What concept is that? Mafia, drug lord, <laughs> the godfather. What, is, what happens in a mafia, mafia business? You pay the mafia guys money so that they don't come and wreck your business. So that they protect you. That is what the Christian church has done in the large. Thinking that my money and my giving is buying me some provision. It's buying me some protection. It's buying me some help. And in some instances in Africa, people have taken it very literal, where they actually take up offerings, and there's TV ministries putting out SMSs that deposit 5,000 rand into this account, and your prayer will be answered. As literal. It's become as literal and as plain as that even. And it's deception from the pit of hell. We need to understand, first and foremost, what God has made available to us, the earth, and all of its riches. And that if we go into the earth, we can mine its resources. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, 
Hard and honest work earns a good night's sleep. Whether supper is beans or steak, but a rich man's belly gives him insomnia. I think some of us maybe experience this where, you, where you're running after richness and you, 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 you're coming about riches or you've seen people who's, who's come about, uh, about their wealth in, 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 in corrupt ways. And you see those people being the most unhappy people on the earth. Hard and honest work, however, earns a good night's sleep. We've maybe seen people where they're not the richest, they don't necessarily have everything, but man, are they happy. Man, are they living satisfied lives. Now, hard work isn't a cuss phrase. Oftentimes in grace circles, people think hard work is is of the devil and it's legalism. But hard work actually is not legalism. God has given and blessed us with two hands and two feet. And we get to use what He's given us. He's given us creativity. God's grace doesn't promote laziness. We see this in Paul's life. And he doesn't talk about work in a sense of, of physical labor um, physical vo- or a natural vocation, but in, in Corinthians he also writes and he says, By the grace of God I am who I am, and I labor more abundantly. And he's talking about his ministry specifically, and he says that I labor more abundantly, but it's not I, but it's God's grace that's been deposited in me that's my enabling to labor more abundantly. Guess what? As a Christian, as a child of God, you've got an excellent spirit on the inside of you. You might not show it, but the Spirit of God inside of you is a Spirit of excellence. Look at the world that's been created. Look at the trees growing. The perfect order of God's creation, that's an excellent Spirit that created that. That is His Spirit living inside of you. You've been given an excellent Spirit. You just need to cultivate that and come to know that. So God's grace and His Spirit in us doesn't promote laziness. It actually promotes hard work. Second Thessalonians 3, 8 to, 8 to 10. We didn't sponge off of you. Now, I'll explain this context more clearly so that there's no confusion left in the room. We didn't sponge off of you, but we worked hard night and day to provide food and lodging and not to be a burden to any of you. It wasn't because we don't have the right to be supported, but we wanted to provide you an example to follow. For when we were with you, we instructed you with these words, anyone who does not want to work for a living should go hungry. Now imagine that. That doesn't sound very graceful, right? But what is the context you're communicating? Again, hard work is godly. Working hard is godly. But the instruction here is, anyone who does not want to work, emphasis on want. Certain people on positions where they can't work currently, whether by physical disability, whether by lockdown, a few families lost their jobs, all of these things. That's a different scenario. But then you have people who don't want to work. They're choosing not to work. They're choosing not to co-labor. They're choosing not to use what God has given them, two hands, two feet, and a mind to do something with. Laziness. That is what Paul is instructing the church here in is 
Be aware of those people. Don't enable them to continue being lazy. Because God provides through us, through giving us abilities, through giving us two hands and two feet. What are you doing with your two hands and your two feet? What are you doing with your mind? Then the other motivation here and the, the instruction. And as a church family, we're providing for one another and we're taking care of one another. And, and we've got a specific way of doing that. Whenever there's a need in the family, uh, a life group leader would make that need known to me. Or uh, if, if I've got a certain type of relationship with a person, I know of that, I would know of that need. And then we'll see how we can enable and help that family financially. We usually go through the means of groceries, putting food on the table, because we don't often want to just give out money because then it's, uh, it leaves temptation and room for them to be bad stewards of that money. So we don't want to enable that. So it's not an environment of control. It's an environment of protection. It's an environment of doing things in order. And that's why we also encourage people to don't, not going to one another, asking for money of one another when you have a need. Because it puts pressure on the relationship. But when you come to me, I can anonymously see how we as a family can take care of that need and provide for you. And help you in your time of need. But also it gives me the opportunity as, a, as the pastor and the shepherd to see what your current situation is like and why is it looking like it is. So that we don't fall into this trap of enabling people to be lazy. To enable people to be bad stewards of their finances, of their resources. I've been in a situation, I'm trying to think. I've been in more than one situation where uh, families asked for financial aid. And then when, I, when I've come to know their, their circumstances at home, I come to find out there's a, there's a bunch of luxuries that they're enjoying. Meaning that it's nice to ask the church for financial aid and getting something and still enjoying your luxuries at home. We need to not be manipulating, as Paul instructed here. Our motivation was not to be a burden. The question that I'm asking you, whenever you're in a financial situation, are there things that you can do and structure your life around that can enable you to have more money at the end of your month than you have month at the end of your... What's that, that phrase? You guys know what I mean. Every choice, every decision that we make, if we're in a financial predicament, every choice that we make is a choice that is going to lead to putting a burden on people or removing a burden from people. In this context, Paul working, him choosing to work was enabling him to not be a burden to the community. He could have chosen not to work. And that choice could have led to him being a burden to the community. The point that I'm trying to make through this whole passage is every choice that we're making, we need to ask and consider, is this choice, is this choice going to lead to me becoming a burden to the family, to the community? Or is this choice actually going to remove that burden from the family? That is the heart and the motivation that Paul is communicating here. To be a blessing, to see how much we can enable removing a burden from our fellow brothers and sisters. Second Corinthians eight, verse twelve. 
to 14. For if the intention and desire are there, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. According to what you have. Say what I have. Not what you don't have. I'll come back to this. Verse 13. I'm not saying this in order to ease someone else's load by overloading you. But as a matter of fair balance, your surplus, say surplus, could meet their need. And their abundance may one day meet your need. This equal sharing of abundance will mean a fair balance. Again, this goes counter a lot of teaching, a lot of legalism, a lot of religion, a lot of misapplication of scripture. Again, coming back to this mindset of like, man, I don't really have food on the table, but I'm going to give just so that the Godfather can kind of orchestrate something there in the background, tussle some people, shake some money out of something, I don't know what, just in order for money to drop out of the air. No, we are called, and in this occasion where Paul is instructing the church and inviting them to give, he's saying, give according to what you have, not what you don't have. If you don't have, don't put pressure on yourself and become a, uh, put yourself in a, in, a, in, a, in a burden giving from that place. Because you are putting your family in a bad position, a bad situation. Give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Then he talks about surplus. Your surplus could meet their need. Again, surplus means there's, there's more. You have a little bit more than, than what is needed to meet your natural needs. Your surplus could meet their need. And their abundance may one day meet your need. This equal sharing of abundance will mean a fair balance. What is Paul again communicating here? In verse 13 he's saying, I'm not, I'm not asking for financial aid to put you under pressure so that someone else can have a better life. Yet you're going now hungry because at least you've given, right? At least you were generous. You're going hungry right now, but at least you were generous. And now someone else is having food on the table. It doesn't make sense. It's, there's no logic in that. The word is very logical. When we have surplus, we are able and we're in a position to help. And then one day if we're doing life and family, one day maybe you're going through a tough time. And if you've been part of a culture and a community that is, is looking after one another, if you're investing into that, not, you're not giving so you're like, okay, like I'm making sure that I'm giving so that one day, that's not, a, that's not the right motivation. The motivation is I've got surplus, now I want to be a blessing. So you are blessing. So you're cultivating a culture and you're cultivating a, a, a spirit of generosity, which is who you are. You are a generous person by nature. And so you're cultivating and you're stirring this so that one day you might be in a predicament where you don't have and you're in lack. But because you're part of a community and you've also stirred this within the community, you'll also be taken care of and will help you. In your time of need. That is what Paul is expressing here. So he's not prophesying doom and gloom. Some people would have want to throw a stone at Paul for, for being a ne- having a negative confession. Negative confession. What does he say? So one day when you have a need, 
Negative confession, Paul, here's a ticket. What happens? Life happens. You are maybe in a financial situation because you chose bad decisions. You made bad choices. You may be in a financial position or a, a predicament because life happened. The country shut down for two years. Some, some sectors crashed. Some people lost their jobs. You couldn't have helped that. So life happens and you might have a need right now. And Please, if I don't know about the need, then make that need known to me and we'll see how we can help as a church family. But we need to understand that God provides through giving us gifts and abilities. And we need to use those things, not just sit on our blessed assurance or, or take the lazy route and say like, okay, I'm going to give money to the Godfather and then he's going to kind of make me rich or he's going to take care of my needs because I've given. No, that's not how God works. Then lastly, God provides through his body, that is us. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 to 13. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God, all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them towards those in need. This is awesome. This is, again, just expressing the community and just another account in, in Corinthians where, where Paul is ministering to a church and he's explaining to them, man, when we're partaking and we're being a blessing in, in, in this way, man, people are expressing thanksgiving to God. And whenever we've been able to help families in financial aid, man, there's an expression of thanksgiving to God. To God, firstly, that He's, he's put us in family and a family that desires to be a blessing to one another, family that wants to take care of one another. Not a family that is all about me, myself, I, my house, my car. You do your thing, I do my thing. You suffer. No, it's a, it's a family really wanting to do life together and wanting to be a blessing to one another. That is what, God, what Paul is communicating here to the church and what we need to understand that God also provides through family, through the community, through His body. So let's stand together and we're going to close with just responding to, to this word together. So firstly, and, and recapping, God provided to all of us through the earth, through the natural laws that He's put in order. God provided through giving us His Spirit, which is a spirit of excellence, a spirit of creativity. You've got that. You need to use it. You need to mine what you have. Cultivate what you have. Hard work. And then God provides through, through family. And so one of the things that we always tell people, we've been in situations and this is a, just a kind of, there's always exceptions to, to these types of, of things. But oftentimes in Stellenbosch, before we, we planted Tigerberg, Stellenbosch is full of, uh, of uh, people struggling financially and, and uh, people living on the street, homeless people. And uh, we always want to help people that are, are struggling. That's always our, our desire. But oftentimes there are also people that manipulate situations, right? 
It's unfortunate. Wherever there's, there's actual needs, there are also people that see opportunities because people are opportunists. And so they, 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 they use specific situations to manipulate. And so the churches in Stellenbosch, which there are many of, you, you, you get your usuals that kind of just, they roam through all of the churches kind of getting needs. Like they just, but they never really want to be helped. They just want a need, a temporal need met. Why do I say that? And there, there has been exceptions, and there's been amazing exceptions where one guy uh, really plugged into the community, started becoming part of the dream team, that served the dream team, and, and it was amazing to see that because you could see for the first time, which was probably like a 10% ratio, where he was not just there to get food on the table, but he was there to partake of what God had for him. Not just natural, dealing with natural poverty, but dealing with his spiritual poverty. And growing in that, and it was awesome to see how he grew in confidence, and how he got an amazing job, and then he got relocated, and he was set up for a life of success. Why? Because he was not manipulating a situation. And so in, in the church family, when, and this was kind of a protocol for us, whenever someone came off of the street and, and looked for uh, a meal or something like that, we'd maybe help him with a, a coffee and give him something that we had right there, but we'd never give finances out. We'd invite them to become part of the family, to, to get to know, build relationship with the people. Because God's way of, of providing for you oftentimes is going to come through the relationships, through doing life together. And that was also kind of a safeguard, not to kind of just give money to someone and then go and squander that money outside there in the world. But it was also to draw them in and to help them understand that me giving you a few hundred rand right now might put food on your table tonight. But guess what? Tomorrow you'll have the same problem. And if you don't come to understand and realize who you are in Christ, you'll have this problem until kingdom come. You're not going to get pulled out of your situation because that circumstances to end up on the street, I get and I understand it's tough. And it becomes almost like a, a black hole that you fall into and that becomes your identity. And we need to always consider and ask ourselves, is the position that I'm currently in, how does this line up with the Word of God and His Spirit in me? And if it doesn't, we get to change our circumstances by changing the way we see ourselves, our value and our worth as His sons and His daughters. And that is what community is also largely about, shaping and sharpening one another in the truths of the Word of God so that we can actually start enjoying doing work and be fruitful in that. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.